Welcome to the April 27th edition of the PFF Forecast. It's early. It's a day early, but it's draft week. It's an important week, so we're coming to you a little earlier this week to make sure that all of the draft props that you need to hammer are ready to rock. This is a great podcast. We've got our good friends, Drew Dinzik and Andy Molitor from the Deep Dive Pod joining us today. We get into all the prop bets, and we talk a little Orlando Brown trade with the Chiefs. And of course, what the hell is going on with the Niners at three? They kind of pick on me a little bit. So I'm sure you guys will love this. A great pod. Let's rock. started i want to tell you guys about all the great stuff that's happening at pff that you can take advantage of for the draft first thing draft 30 is the promo code it gets you 30 percent off the nfl draft guide that comes with the pff edge subscription it also gets you 30 percent off any subscription so you can get elite right now for 30 percent off that gives you all of the great stuff all the great betting tools the props tool dfs optimizer for the whole season it's a great deal. So go use uh, Draft 30. And then once you got your draft guide, come over on Thursday night, 7 p.m., pff.com. It's on pff.com. We are streaming live the PFF Draft Show. Chris is going to be there. Darius Butler is joining us. Mike, Steve, Austin, Eric. Ian Harditz is going to be with us. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. On pff.com, we will have a live draft tracker. It'll be updated before the broadcast. So you'll want to make sure you're checking that out. Um, and we have a best available log as well. So pff.com, it's your place to be for the draft. Make it happen. All right, we are live. This is uh, draft week. This is the PFF forecast. Usually we do this Wednesday night, but we couldn't help ourselves. We had an opportunity to uh, bring two of our good friends, Drew Dinzik and Andy Molitor, um, are joining us. And I figured, guys, since you know we have Eric here and the trade just happened, everyone wants to hear about obviously the team uh, that whose draft pick is most talked about. What will the Kansas City Chiefs do uh, with all of their draft haul? What do you guys think? I'm worried about the Chiefs, honestly. I don't know. I don't get what I don't get the vision here. I don't love the what's committed next year salary cap wise and the number of players that they have under contract. Uh, and now they're giving away assets like they're going out of style. I, I'm. I don't know. There's a plan plan there. I'm finding out that I'm just a hater. When I try to talk about the the, uh, surplus value of draft picks, I'm just a hater who hates championships. You know what actually is kind of becoming clear? The longer you wait, the more likely it is you go from genius to to just idiot in NFL-like landscape. Like no one can stay on top. Really, like, you know, we, you know, coach, GM, you know, visionary of, you know, player construction, like none of these guys can stay on top and just kind of do it cleanly. They inevitably lose a big game uh, or, you know, just are blinded by some specific bias, and make a decision that, um, you know, sets the franchise back. And, I, I, you know, we can get into the 49ers, of course, in this conversation as well. But like, you know, it, let's say they get the guy they wanted the all along and he ends up being the third best choice for this draft. Like I think it is very fair to criticize their process. Um, and you know, that, the, now that like kind of getting a little bit more information about what's going on besides this behind the scenes, if this really was, uh, you know, all done to protect the chance that someone else might take Mac Jones, 
Um, you know, they might have gotten hoodwinked a little bit here. Well, you were just you were just excited to rip into the Niners. And you yeah. know, like the the last dynasty, I mean, they did it, they did it all around their draft. I mean, that's what we saw for 20 years. Belichick crushed draft after draft. That's how you that's how you build it. I mean, that's why I'm I'm really worried about the Chiefs draft assets right now. It's um it's very concerning, but let's not we don't have to talk about the Chiefs. Uh because every single podcast well, gets brought back to the I, I will Chiefs. say this to Drew to respond to Drew a little bit though. I think the Ravens right now, I think that trade actually does like signify that they have a try and true process that you know, they're not going to respond necessarily to noise, right? So the noise was, right, Orlando Brown has to play left tackle because of an injury to Ronnie Stanley. He plays pretty well in a system that's very conducive to playing well. He has demands. And in a very Belichickian way, like it's kind of like when he traded Richard Seymour, he's just like, look, like this isn't part of the the thing here. And, you know, I know that they – they believe, and and I think they're right that they got a ton of surplus value here, and and that's good on them. And and you know, um, they trust themselves, right? At you know, twenty seven and thirty one, that they're going to get players who you know, if you roll those die, you know, a number of times, like you're going to eventually get better value than what you would have gotten having either played, you know, paid Orlando Brown what he wanted or paid him a surplus for a right tackle just to make him happy. So they, good on I, I think good on Baltimore for making a move that, you know, in my opinion was pretty sharp. They they uh they just were picking on the dumb kids in class. They're gonna draft a running back here. <laughs> well look at last year's here. draft as 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 glowing as I would be about the Ravens. Last year they took Queen running back linebackers. These guys, those guys may end up being fine ten-year players for your franchise. Well, I guess running back, five, four, or five-year player for your four franchise. But like, you know, they really, you know, I, I just, it's, it's just crazy because it feels like every time somebody does four or five things good in a row, they yeah. turn around and stab you in the heart. And it's like, when can someone just run a plus EV franchise without? You know, you know, shooting themselves in the foot for a, for a little the, while. The annoying yeah. part about this whole process, this whole month, not only this but free agency, and this is why you'll see, you'll see a few of these draft props for guys who are draft, you know, their their mock draft or whatever. They're over under set around 40, 45. Like they're going to go in the first round. Like there's there's such a wild dispersion dispersion of how teams value these players, and we have really no idea because everybody's so zoned in on these top ten, top fifteen guys. There's going to be somebody that that takes like Rondell Moore, you know, way too early, like in the first round. There's going to be one of the one of these corners is going to get reached at or something, ruin my bet. Like there's there's so many wild variations of how these teams value things, and you never get that side of the story when we're evaluating trades, when we're evaluating moves. Like we're not. They're not going to be like, here's our spreadsheet. Here's how we valued all these players. We just get to look at it from an outsider's view and then later on at, in a hindsight point of view and just rip on teams, which I'm fine with. I like that. Yeah, I agree with you, Andy. I think that that is how it's happening. I think that when you know, you're a team and you're, you, trade out a, you trade for a veteran player, usually the excuse or the refrain is, look, we felt that there were 15 players that were worthy of first-round picks on the board. And chances are that guy's going to be gone. And so when when you look at like the Jimmy Johnson trade chart or our trade chart or whomever's trade chart, like we're valuing the picks as if we believe it's a normal year and the 27th pick is worth the normal thing. And the teams behind the scenes don't view it that way. I'll come back and say that's a huge overconfidence on the team's level. Generally speaking, like it's not well, year over year, you're not 
you're not probably that good at saying, okay, there are 15 first rounders this year and there are 37 next year. So we'll, we'll trade back. Like I, I, I really, I refute the idea that there's any sort of like certainty there or a team is squeaking out an edge by thinking that way. Okay. Let's get to the topic that everyone wants to talk about. Cause you mentioned something drew that I, I want to, I want to get your opinion on this because you guys are super plugged in. You read a ton of stuff. You are as as in tune and attuned to the things that are going on as anyone out there. Talking to Chris just a few minutes ago, and he has on very good authority that that trade was made with the intent fully of taking um, Big Mac Jones. Yeah. And that only recently, or not recently, but only since then, have they come off that because people within the organization and he thinks the fan base, this guy, <laughs> um, have have talked, have, have caused such a ruckus that it's pulling them off it. And you look at the markets right now, Mac Jones minus 335. This is on DraftKings Sportsbook. Trey Lance plus 300. Justin Fields plus, fee, uh, plus 550. RIP to the syndicate. Um, <laughs> what, what, what are... What, did, if anything, do you have to add to that? And what are you thinking about this right now? Okay, so I'm definitely of the mindset that Fields, as a ta- from a talent standpoint, gives you the best chance to win Super Bowls over the next 10 years because if you put him in the right system, you develop the guy well, um, he can be a top five quarterback in the NFL. And I don't see the same ceiling with Mac Jones. And I don't know why you would put so much future capital on the table if you're Shanahan and you have this, as much job security as any coach in football. Um, you put all of this you know, capital on the table for a player who you effectively, like if, if that's what you wanted, like just make an offer for, you know, low ball offer for Kirk Cousins to Minnesota. Like you could have gotten a guy that can do a Mac Jones, you know, a little bit a Mac Jones impression. Uh, you know, play him, pay him a little bit more, sure, but you know, you could have gotten it for significantly less than you ended up giving up to make this move. And you know, just behind the scenes, again, this none of this is verified at all. But what I've what I've heard at least is Philadelphia may have infiltrated the information circles of San Francisco, suggesting that they were going to take Jones sixth, and that's what prompted this in the first place. Uh, and then ultimately, um, the fact that Philadelphia s- facilitated the trade back up for Miami would suggest that they may have played San Francisco uh, like a drum. I I just have a hard time believing Philly did something smart, but also at the same time, no, no. And I, I pose this question to everyone in here, but mostly to George: Which makes you feel worse about your front office? The fact that they would trade this much draft capital for someone like Mac Jones, the fact that they would trade up to the three and not know what they were doing yet, um, the the theory that they've traded up to three and now are going to be swayed by fans on Twitter <laughs> yeah, with their pick. Great, great point. The, the, you know, like all of the all of these are horrible scenarios. They make me feel terrible about my front office. Terrible about the decision making. I like for your sake, for our sake, the fact that I like them as a front office. I respect them. I hope everything is horseshit. There's like two people in the entire world that actually know who they're taking. Everybody else is out there just getting clicks, getting, you know, look at my mock draft. I'm, I'm plugged in because they know everybody's going to be wrong. So who cares? And, you know, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll hit on it and be right. So I hope that's the scenario because all the other scenarios make me feel really bad about 
the, that front office in general. Those are all bad signs. Those are flags, red, red flags. Look, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the worst part of this. The I NFC like the way you're for the next decade is wide open, yeah. wide open. If you make the right choice here, and if you get your guy and you have stability in your franchise at the quarterback position on a con- cost control basis, with as much talent as you have to win now, if you're San Francisco, and you the only the only things you have to fear in the NFC are old old Tom Brady and getting older Aaron Rodgers. Like good night. Like all the good players are in the AFC. Well, and I, I like the way you think about this, Andy, because I, I think about it with with almost like the Dak Prescott franchise tag and the the Orlando Brown trade, and now this. It's like if you scenario plan all these out, right? You know, it's sort of like the Packers taking Jordan Love. Like the best case scenario happened for them and they're still kind of screwed, right? Like th- to me, that means don't do it, right? Like, <laughs> okay, you know, the best case scenario can, can I... in, the Mahomes, in the Alex, you know, in the in the Mahomes thing was Alex Smith balled out and you got a third rounder for him. Like what are the, what are the best case scenarios here for you? The best okay. case scenarios are you end up with Justin Fields and you still don't take him? Like how does that even, how does that happen? Let me, let me say the worst uh, to answer Andy's question, by far, by far, the worst part of this whole thing would be getting hoodwinked by a team that just hired Nick Sirianni, <laughs> by a team that was routinely criticizing their head coach, Doug Peterson, in Monday meetings, that, that oh, gave Carson Wentz a massive extension. That would be, I don't know if it's that's recoverable, to be honest. Like, that would make me lack so much confidence in what I thought was Lynch, who was maybe the best at keeping secrets, maybe one of the better guys at, at orchestrating deals that were in his favor from a draft perspective. The thing that would not cause me consternation is if they were able to be humble enough to say, oh, at first, we really liked the jelly roll. We were kind of into the donut look. You know, that was something we were we were ready to jive with. We liked the idea of putting him in to the weight room and turning him into Tom Brady. And you know what? We saw we saw the light. That would give me a ton of confidence, to be perfectly honest. Um, and uh, I don't, I I don't, don't hate that. No, yeah, I don't either. No, like that. That you know, and, and I, I just think that I just keep coming back to this. I, especially this year, I feel like no one knows anything. Oh, sure. And and so if there's anything here and I'm looking at the markets and I go, you know, I, Trey Lance, if they're really deciding between Mac Jones and Trey Lance, I, like I, I am going to bet, you know, Trey Lance three to one. And, and I wouldn't if I didn't already have so much on Justin Fields. I might bet him plus 550 because of what you said, Drew, like for them to be that counterintuitive to literally every other human on earth, is hard to fathom. Yeah, I've heard some smart people make the case that Jones is better than we think. Um, and, and, you know, again, like I feel like I have now kind of developed a weird slant against Jones, but when in reality, like he made me more money than any college football player last year. <laughs> like I won a lot of money on the <laughs> national championship game uh, with Alabama winning. And I'm kind of like, yeah, Jones, is, Jones might make some team pretty, you know, some team pretty good. And, uh, but to think that he's a top three talent is mind blowing. Um, 
And you guys, you guys flustered me so bad that I got myself in a mute <laughs> vortex where I, we I thought like, you were muted. I like I muted myself, and then I couldn't remember which uh, whether the light blinking or not was whether I was muted. I was. Yeah. I, I, this is where I'm at right now. There's okay? there's one other real quick point I want to make on Shanahan and San Francisco, and then we should you know then you know I'm, I I we think you know, we're being we're being tough on you to, yeah. to be fair, but. There's another like another small thing that's pretty obvious that's happening here, which is you're giving Shanahan the opportunity to make a franchise-defining decision when his job is constructing offensive schemes, yes. not evaluating talent. And and there was a little bit of a loss of control at some point, apparently, in terms of who you know was really driving the ship. I would guess. Um, and you know, maybe before they had really completed their full evaluation of the three guys, they, they pulled the trigger on this deal because the offer was there. They didn't want it to leak. They didn't want to get scooped. They didn't want to, you know, lose, you know, after they have to throw in more in the, into the pot here. Um, but you know, it's entirely possible that because and we actually, we know this to be true. There are coaches in the NFL that are geniuses. Some of them wear hoodies that cannot evaluate talent. To save their lives, even though that is the that is the their lifeblood, day in day out, that's all they do is think about football and football players, and yet they still can't quite get their head wrapped around evaluating talent. And it's possible that Shanahan, you know, he's not seeing what we're seeing, and that ultimately, you know, Mac Jones will play out as the fifth best quarterback in the draft, like many people think. Um, but again, like so much of success in the NFL is where you land, how you're developed, even beyond you know what your talent is, and you know if we're belly aching because Mac. Jones's ceiling is like the seventh or eighth best quarterback. Yeah, maybe that's fine. Maybe they still do have chances at Super Bowls, and well, you know it, it could uh, be such small. A, like, yeah, the missing point, and it's it's because we're so removed from a season where they didn't make the play. You know, it wasn't a good season for them. But like the the missing point, Drew did hit on it a little. Like, not only is the NFC wide open, like this is one of the best teams in the NFC with Jimmy G. If everybody mm-hmm. stays healthy, like they're 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 in such a unique position with the top three pick as like essentially like one of the, one of the three, four best teams in the conference, if not the the league, like they can make it like they can, if they nail this, it's not just like, Oh good. We got a good quarterback and we're going to have fun. Like, no, you're going to win multiple super bowls. If you nail this because you're about to put together a French and, and in the end, I, I think I, I trust Shanahan. I do. Eventually. I think I trust him. We'll find out if I'm right or wrong, I guess. Well, he's a, he's a Minnesota guy, Eric. He's born here. Yeah. Drew, Drew brings up a great point as far as, you know, Jones, I think we're looking at him with a prior of pick 18 and a half. That's where it opened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we, we, view him, <laughs> we view him that way. And, you know, and, and at the same time, like I tried to bring up this with, with George when we were thinking about putting the fields bet down, which was, you know, Shanahan had a map Rita in, in his backyard and who's a great running back and said, Nope, I need, I need Tevin Coleman. And he did the same thing with Jarek McKinnon. Like th- this is not necessarily a guy whose personnel decisions or talent evaluation should necessarily be trusted. Um, but at the same time, maybe to George's point, if the Niners come off of this a little bit and make the what we would view as the right the right choice, which I think to Drew and and to Andy's point, like. The, the edge between the right and wrong choice here is slimmer than we're all making it. It's, it's slimmer than Mac Jones's. Let's just put it that way. And, <laughs> and so, and, and so like 
were, you know, so if they take Mac Jones, the scheme might be enough to make him like the third best quarterback in this draft, in which yeah. case we're all like picking nits, but they might just not have the high end talent to control the NFC as Drew was talking about uh, in the future. But picking the third best quarterback in this draft isn't actually like you don't get to hang a banner for that. True. You know, like I would pick, second best I, quarterback. It feels I only feels. care about getting a top five quarterback. You know, I want the guy that has a chance. So, yeah, congratulations if you happen <laughs> to get the third the third best quarterback in a draft like yeah. you're literally going to be fired if that's the case. Like you either get a great guy or you're looking for a new quarterback, because I think if, if we've learned anything, it should be that Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, those situations where you are signing a guy early, like I don't think teams are going to be doing that a whole lot going forward. They're going to be a little more willing to to reload. Um, right now, uh, if you guys had to, um, if you guys had to say, I know the markets are heavily Jones, but like, what's your current calibration on on where you see this pick going? I'd still say 50-50 between Jones and, and Lance. I mean, I, the, the market has spoken that it's not Fields. And I, again, I don't get it. Something, obviously, there's some puzzle piece here that I'm not seeing. Um, but pretty clearly, it looks like 50-50 Jones-Lance. Uh, and again, like, I mean, we haven't even mentioned this, but the, you know what the risk really is in taking Jones, in my opinion, is that he's going to be behind an offensive line that's not great. And he doesn't have an NFL body. So he is an injury risk. And yeah. what have you exactly done to upgrade your situation if you're going from glass Jimmy G to a guy that may need a year or two to develop an NFL body behind an offensive line that's a little sketchy? Well, and beyond that, I think the biggest risk is if he works out in a Goffian way. Ooh. Yep. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know they, 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 they become the Bears. Because if he if he's <laughs> if, if he's okay, don't do that to me. Don't you they, dare. They just win eight games for ten years. Yeah. Don't you if he's, dare. If he's that's okay, below five hundred like, now. By the way, you. That's why. That's why I actually prefer Lance in the sense that like my like Lance might flame out, and that's pro that's a better thing yeah. in my opinion on average than having a guy be like Baker Mayfield. You know, like because. Like, God, who knows? Does Baker Mayfield deserve a second contract? I don't know, actually, because like some of these guys end up in Warren Sharp's tweet that says like, you know, only two out of the last hundred quarterbacks are still on their team, and it's like, yeah, but if you sneak that number up one year, they all got fifth year options and they all got a deal. It's that second deal is where they sucked, and I think to, to you, both of you guys' points, Fields has the potential to earn that deal. And I don't know if any of us see Mac Jones. We see him being okay in a Shanahan system, but do we see him earning a $40 million deal or the equivalent thereof in three years? No. No, I'm Percentage-wise, too, I think it's probably I'm – not, I'm not taking fields off the table. I still – you know what? You know, you, you take fields off the table. You know who else got taken off the table? Anthony Hopkins. People didn't say he couldn't <laughs> That's win. Fair. That's like, fair. Like, just <laughs> Thank th you. Th things, things can happen. So I'll go fields like 5%, but, man, I'm like, you know, however you want to divide up the rest of it is probably somewhere in the 70-30 range. Like, it it feels like it's Mac. But, again, like, if there, if there truly isn't the information leaking out of Santa Clara, then it, it could be. it could be anyone. It could be yeah. any of the three quarterbacks. Like, if everyone's just making shit up, like, that that happens. The circuit I mean, price saw, right now is just out of control. The, we saw the the number for Jalen Phillips move 
right w- during a live periscope of us sure. talking about like th- this is they're not be- th- this isn't sides and totals in the NFL this is you know sm- yep. you know small bets <laughs> that are being made and and moving off of information that could just be noise yeah that said though there are markets that'll write significant bets you know they'll write a you know a k a pop here and circa at this point is jones minus 360 fields yeah. plus 2160 so you wow. can get you can you can go buy yourself a uh you know a used car with a uh, a limit bet on, Kia. on fields right now if he ends up going third overall I, again is it, it none of this has made sense to me coming into this entire process i would have told you fields is two uh of these quarterbacks and you know wilson obviously uh you know the jets fell for him that's fine um but uh the fact that we're i, I mean and, and now like where does fields go like i mean i can entirely see a situation where he's there like he falls in the lap of someone like the minnesota vikings or something uh Ooh. and then uh you know and then then you potentially have uh an interesting situation where, you know, I, I, I guess at this point, I just want fields to stay in the NFC. So we get some fields versus the Niners games. Um, yeah. And in fact, you know, I, I floated this kind of tongue in cheek and didn't realize it wasn't possible because of the no trade clause. But like, if I'm Seattle, like I'm realistically considering shipping Russell Wilson to like the Detroit Lions or something for their future of, you know, blank, blank picks and taking a guy like Fields so he can play San Francisco twice a year. But um, was there a team so was Miami on his list? I'm trying to think about like, how you uh, can was, get that. It was a weird out. list. It was a really weird list. It, it, prob- it honestly was probably not thought through. Like I'm sure he and Ciara would find they vacation in Miami. I like those things not are interesting. Yeah, he not had that awful short sleeved Hawaiian shirt in that one picture. Like it's just he, he it's would fit in good. in Miami. It's yeah, not and good. yeah, I guess somebody previously brought up like oh the Russell Wilson slander like. I'm more concerned about Seattle from a coaching standpoint being a long-term contender here. Like yeah. it does seem Ross like the wheels great. are the wheels are falling off, you know, from the coaching point of view there. Yeah. And, and and similarly, you know, the the um, the Rams. I I don't know if Stafford works out long term. Uh, and the uh, you know the Cardinals pretty clearly have coaching issues as well. So yeah, the, yeah. the NFC West is there for the taking if the uh, if the Niners stay healthy. We don't want it. Home. We don't <laughs> want. It. We want to keep it exciting. More breaks than Carroll. Like this is again Carol just getting the right side of var- the opposite of the ass end of variance again. Like is is somebody caught more like luck than him? Yeah, probably not. No, I mean just like Kingsbury not being the prince that he was anointed, Goff being Goff. I mean, basically everything that happened to the Niners over the past couple of years. I, yeah, I mean Bra- Brady's been kissed on the head by some charmed <laughs> spirit. I mean, getting the AFC East for two decades and then and then flipping conferences when all the then Eric Fisher's you know, Achilles. Yeah. yeah, right, right. I feel like Tom Brady is um he like has a, a secret way of like putting a plague on a on a division. <laughs> you know, it's like he comes to your division all of a sudden like locusts are eating your crops. It's like, oh shit, our quarterbacks. Drew Brees literally lost all his powers. Tom Brady shows up and he just tanks. Um, I, I will say this, but you know, I think um, I, I tend to agree that it's more of a 50 50. Like I invested in Trey Lance right at the beginning, um, right when the, the trade happened. I just felt like he and Fields, who knew, um, I didn't even consider Mac Jones right off the bat. Um, 
but I'm tempted. I may, I may take a flight down to Vegas early here, Eric, and uh, get 2160. We'll be right back to Drew and Andy. Got to pay the bills here. DraftKings has got you covered for this draft. We had them create our own boosted odds prop. It is one and a half running backs boosted over one and a half running backs boosted to plus 225. That is right. You know it. We talk about how we hate running backs, yada, yada, yada. No, over one and a half boosted to plus 225. The NFL teams are going to make it happen for you. Use promo code PFF on the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and take advantage of that before the draft starts. Only a couple days away. Remember, you must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Illinois, Tennessee, New Hampshire only. This is for new customers. Winnings uh, are going to be all yours to keep. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And of course, our good friends at Underdog Fantasy also are hitting you up with a great deal. Deposit $10 at Underdog Fantasy. They are a great best ball format. Probably the best out there. Plus, they've got these new kind of draft prop de- or, uh, props games that you can play. Deposit $10 there, promo code PFF, and get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. That's insane value. That gets you a draft guide. So go to Underdog Fantasy, deposit 10 bucks, get your draft guide, and come hang out with us on draft night at pff.com. All right, last thing I got to tell you guys about. I am wearing, right now, you can't see me right now, but I'm wearing some new stuff. I'm pretty excited about it because I have trouble shopping for clothes. They don't fit. They don't feel good. I, I buy jeans. They, yeah, they're either way too baggy, they're way too long, they don't fit over my thighs. It's a disaster. I have found a place that does not screw you over. It's called Sweat Taylor, S-W-E-T, Taylor. And I liked them so much that we got them to outfit us for the whole draft show. They're going to actually give us clothes to wear on draft night and all the different draft shows that we have. Uh, it's awesome. I got a jacket that I'm really excited about. Their jeans, if they call them denim, I swear to God, it can't be denim. Um, these things fit like an app. They're so comfortable. Um, so go check it out, Sweat Taylor. And here's the deal. Use promo code PFF-SWEAT, S-W-E-T, get 25% off. It's very easy. Go to SweatTaylor.com, make it happen. If you need recommendations, you can hit me up. I will gladly tell you what to buy. All right, back to Andy and Drew. Can I ask Georgia a real quick question? Yeah. If the process had been different, if this was all just a critique of process, right? And if they had stuck stuck with their guns, waited at 12, no one makes a move up for Mac Jones because the market actually is soft on him. Um, and they end up taking him there and they have all of their future capital. What is? How does your opinion change about all this? I, I think it's a great point. And I... I do, I do think that's a valid argument. I thought Shanahan really, it was actually one of the things in the press conference I thought made me think most that he was going to take Mac Jones, where he was like, if you're happy with him at 12, you should be happy with him at three. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's actually not how it works. If, <laughs> if I pay, if I want an in-and-out burger, I'm not happy with it if I have to pay $5,000 for it. <laughs> However, if I get the In-N-Out burger for $5, I'm ex- I'm so happy. I'm the happiest man on the planet. And I think that's how you have to view burger puns were unintentional, but here we are. Um with, you know, a burger from a slightly worse chain, a way worse chain, um in Mac Jones, if you get him at 12, I actually think that's probably right in the space where I would take a guy whose ceiling is Kirk Cousins. Sure. If I'm picking at three and I've already spent that five thousand dollars, 
your process indicates that you are shooting for a guy who has top five potential. And you look at the top five quarterbacks in any order last last season, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. Like there's a very key thread in four of those guys, unique athleticism and talent. And Tom Brady is just unique in the fact that he's probably not human at this point, the number of surgeries that he's had. So there's, there's yeah. no first round pick that's going to be Brady. Brady is the outcome of, of random chance. Like, I, I don't I don't understand selecting for what Brady is either. You know what I mean? Like and right. to me that irritates me a lot. I, I I will come back and say I think if you if they got Mac at twelve, that would have been a great draft pick. Like I, I think we're talking about the difference between In and Out Burger and Habit Burger at that point. And oh, and, and it's wow. not that big of a deal. Wow. They're both good and at and you know, at three seventy, that's fine, right? So to me, I, I I don't want the slander of like I don't want the I don't think Jones slander is necessarily the way to go about it. I think and and hopefully we've we've reached this tenor a little bit. To me, it's highlighting that that Justin Fields is good. Like he's a great prospect that's done great things at the college level, and he does have some warts. Like I think the way he handles pressure is not the best in this class, but at the same time, his variance should be up. We should be talking about him relative to Wilson and Lawrence, and not yes. him relative to Lance, uh, who I think has, you know, the the worst median projection of all these guys, uh, and and Jones, who I think has a good median projection but not a great ceiling. Al Michaels uh, commenting here: If you're starving, you're paying five thousand dollars for a cheeseburger. <laughs> Al, if I have five thousand dollars to spend, I ain't starving, buddy. <laughs> yeah, just no, gotta, just got you, you want Justin out. Fields animal style. That's what I want, and I want it at a yeah. reasonable price. And yeah, the, the drafting him at twelve sounds fine, but yeah, the, what the point Eric made there a little the, the hubris of a team thinking they can create the situation where a Brady occurs, like Drew said, like that's <laughs> that's not something like oh well yeah we'll just find a guy with the similar traits and then we'll just turn him into Tom Brady. Like no, it it took so many things happening right, the right coaching staffs landing in the right spots, and yeah, like like you said, for twenty years he was very little unbothered by the rest of the division. Like what was the toughest part of that division? Like maybe the, the guy who liked feet for two years, were having some good teams. Like that, uh, yeah. what was that? Like, Oh, eight Oh nine where the Rex Jets Ryan's feet team, right? The Jets were good for a couple years there. And outside of that, it was pretty easy sailing. And yeah, like the, and then also, yeah, you, you talk about some of the mocks where, some people put him at 32. That seems a little that, that was aggressive. Chris Sims. That was Chris <laughs> yeah, Sims. We can name him here. I, yeah. That that felt that a little passive me, aggressive. What was that? I mean, I like Chris Sims, the person. I like I'm, some of his stuff. Yeah, I'm confused. Like, even if you think he's not a great prospect, you're taking him before 32. We've talked about this a lot, and I really, you guys create such fantastic content. Um, everyone who's watching this who doesn't uh, follow Drew and Andy should go check it out. I personally like all the other sports because I can't follow them as closely. And so you guys do great stuff, golf, basketball. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about some draft props. And you mentioned, look, after pick number three, are there any trades? What do we not know about all these prospects that can maybe increase variance? How would you guys take advantage of this? Um, you know, maybe right now, obviously we've placed a lot of bets going into this, but where do you see some of the value right now on the board? I think let's speaking specifically to process and then I'll let Andy kind of chip in with what he likes that's available at the current prices. I've learned now through doing this four or five cycles. Um, so much attention gets placed on who's good gets picked in the top 10. 
That's mm-hmm. just the na- nature of the beast. And so many of the bets that end up getting placed for whatever reason are because you're like, well, I like this guy. I hear this team likes this guy. Oh, there's a run on this guy. He's going to go in the top 10, right? But that is a finite number of actual players who can go in the top 10. And all it takes is one or two surprises. And all of a sudden, like, is, oh, well, right, I have unders on eight guys. There's only eight slots left, right? And, you know, and there's a, there's a general kind of minus EV nature to taking unders with the guys that are at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and, and then the other kind of lesson, clear lesson learned, when you hear anyone has medical red flag, blind bet over, blind bet it. Like, yeah. they're, 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 all it takes is, you know, one or two teams don't even have them on the board. They mm-hmm. haven't even done their homework on him, evaluated him, even if he gets to their tier. So a guy who everyone, you know, talent-wise thinks, oh, this guy's a top 15 player, Caleb Farley. Brilliant yep. example. Caleb Farley, everybody agreed at the beginning of this process, that is a top 12 player, top three cornerback in this draft. The third, you know, three teams, at least three teams need a quarterback in round one. He'll go in round one. He probably goes in the 12th. He has a medical red flag, and his stock just completely plummets. And what happens is, you know, if the guys who w- you would think are scouting and drafting him don't even have him on their boards, and then he's there available when the next tier of teams, you know, is picking, they may not even have done their homework on him. And like, well, if those guys pass on him, well, you know, maybe we should skip him too. And you know, is it, there's a full-on domino effect that lights guys who have medical red flags up. So, overs on the red flags, and then just lay off the unders from the top ten. Caleb Farley, by the way, real quick, twenty-three and a half right now. Yeah. And um, so and I see that and I go, look, if the question was, would he get picked by 12? And then all of a sudden this medical thing comes out and he only drops 10. He could have dropped to, to 25 easily without that. You know, he might like, not go a, in round one. Yeah, there's yeah. enough variance I, there. I still like that. I have an out where he's 22 and a half. And I, I mean, I, that, isn't that another one, guys? What do you guys think? Obviously, you guys have a lot of outs. You guys. Um, I think a great job on your podcast of talking about the, the value of price. Um, this right now, I mean, this is, this is where I think you can really line shop. Yeah. Oh Christ. Yeah. If you have, if you have That's, offshores, yeah. if you have legal books and you have like some paperhead outs, it's, it's wild how many, especially once you get into some of these and yes, there's way more variance down the board. And I think you can use that to your advantage, but you're going to find not only just, price shopping you're just fine bad lines like oh they didn't they didn't move or they don't care because they're not taking big enough limits where they've moved this guy like 15 spots for the most part in the market they were off by a couple now they're off by 17 like there there are a lot of spots if you do shop right and to drew's point like it does turn into you know taking a whole bunch of golfers to make the cut like again uh, i've seen that it's like hey guess what that is the carol there's there's a negative correlation. It's like horse race betting. Like they can't all get third place. Like you bet six horses to show, have fun. Like, you know, (laughs) only so many on the podium. There's a strict negative correlation to taking too many of those unders. I've run into that issue. I've got trapped in that, but uh, not only the price shopping, but the arbitrage middling opportunities. I took some under four and a half cornerbacks in the first round. And I'm probably going to take some Samuel under. Because I could, if things plop right, like the first yeah, three picks in the second round, he and he, you can find some 35. The first three picks, 
under the right circumstances, they could all be buyers on a corner. If the Jets don't get who they want in the first round, Falcons could definitely look there. And then, you know, obviously there's, you know, teams that are drafting at the beginning of rounds are needy, usually all over the place. So I like that one because, and there is a scenario too, where I could see Samuel sliding into the first round and I still mm-hmm. cash the under four and a half with a Farley fall. And if Farley wants to fall far enough, yeah. and they're, they're, that's a tongue twister right there. But I mean, just like I said, there's guys whose over-unders are set in the 40s, mid-40s that are going to end up getting drafted on day one. There's guys that are, their over-unders are set from, you know, from maybe even as low as 15 to 18 that you're not going to see that day. Stuff mm-hmm. is going to happen. It just, it takes one weird move. And then it's a butterfly effect of, well, this team doesn't need that kind of player and they probably should take him because it's best player available. And then all of a sudden he slides six, eight spots and then somebody else gets bumped down. All of a sudden there's a weird run and like no linebackers get taken, you know, yeah. outside of one or something. It's, it can get real weird. So I think taking some, some plus numbers on on the lower end of the market too, and the lower end of the round on some of these teams, they're hanging like, will a team take offense or defense? And it's, you know, it's heavily tilted one way or the other. I think Tampa. some of those, I, yeah, Tampa's a great example. I think some of those are way off just based on this team is 20 to 25 picks, maybe even further in. So much can happen ahead of them where it's like, well, I mean, they should have done this, but like all the receivers got taken. Maybe five receivers go way earlier than we think, and there's some teams that are just going to have to pivot to defense or going to pivot. If the corners go funny, teams are going to have to pivot. You know, a lot of times their secondary need isn't always the same side of the ball. So I think some of those bigger plus numbers are worth looking at at uh, the will a, de- you know, will a team take offense or defense first. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And I think the other thing is obviously w- w- one of the things you guys just, I think, highlighted a number of times here is that these these draft positions are not linear at all. Right. So um, if a team like if a team completely eliminates a, like Micah Parsons right from from sure. their draft board and he were to fall to 16, 17, 18, like there might be some teams that are just like, OK, screw it, we'll take yeah. him. But there are many teams that are just like, no. And then. You know, that means that like it that means that any sort of logic that we have about, oh, you know, this this guy can't fall this far. It's like, well, I have I bet you, uh, you know, that I, you know, what year it, was the Aaron Rodgers draft? Yeah. How many years ago was that? Look, Orlando Brown can't they can't be a bad uh, trade, according to Jim Mora. So, you know, like <laughs> that we know things here, guys. We're, we're uh, very smart human beings. I, I was going to mention Micah Parsons. So um, I actually. Uh, you mentioned this, uh, Eric. Caleb Farley still still here on the book I'm looking at, but apparently he just got erased from your book. So thanks, Drew. Nothing. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, a couple to sort of to piggyback off what you guys are talking about. I think a ton of great points, and there are a couple players that come to mind here. So like an Eric Stokes, for example. Now this has moved a little bit. It's now forty and a half, um, but he had he ran a four two nine. You mentioned Asante Samuel. And here's one that that I really like, and I'm curious your guys' thoughts here because he's still plus a thousand. Zabin Collins to be the first linebacker drafted. Um, what does anyone know about the linebackers? Micah Parsons is still minus four hundred. Uh, 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 Z's Ojolari is actually in this group. He's an edge defender, and then it's it's I've heard you know, he's going to fall as well. By the way, you've got Jeremiah uh, Owosukoromoa, Zabin Collins. I, a lot of people have never heard of Zayvon Collins. So like, I understand why he's plus a thousand, but if you go watch him, the dude is insane. Um, I, that that's one that I'm betting right now. 
We've heard legitimate buzz on Collins and uh, Jim and Davis uh, as potential LB one. Mm-hmm. And I got, him, I think I'm, I'm at like seven to one. Oh, okay. That's yeah. I got 11 to one on Collins. I think seven to one on, on uh, Davis. So maybe got a bad number there, but uh, yeah. And again, like if there's any year you're going to get weird and play some big yeah. numbers in these sort of, you know, these uh, um, exotics, this is the year. Uh, <laughs> the idea that there's consensus at all, considering that there was no um, combine is ludicrous. Uh, you know, there, there, are, there are teams that uh, um, I, I, I want to say it was, you know, the Washington football team is probably going to take one of these guys. I don't know that there's a defender that goes ahead of uh, Washington, but that's pr- yeah, probably there's the a couple teams that are tied to Davis a little bit. And yeah. honestly, a, a market I would be looking for is if somebody wants to hang Parsons, no, like not in first like yeah, you know, anything yeah. because I, I feel like you're gonna get stung by some weird one and it's like how do you dutch all the rest of them i'd hate to be putting myself in position so maybe mm-hmm. parsons over or just pick a couple you like go you can create a very low synthetic hold if you go shop around because it's like oh you mm-hmm. know he's he's 10 to 1 here but he's 15 to 1 here on like davis i've seen some 12 and 15 to 1 on davis colin you can get some high numbers a wosu i I took some numbers on him like Mm -hmm. there's some ways to create a very low hold if you if you do shop around and grab a bunch of these guys and first for some small stakes to kind of just fade the parsons uh look there and again the the linebacker thing Again, it's it's defense and the way people evaluate. I think the way people evaluate players, like I alluded to earlier, obviously different from camp to camp, team to team, front office to front office. But defense for me has been really weird as far as when I've watched these drafts in the last few years. Like, why why would you take that corner first, or why yep. you know? Uh, I think well, a lot so of funniness. Specific. Yeah, and, and team scheme coaching, you know, but just the this scouts. is just more unstable year to year too, and harder to predict. Yeah. And one of the things I think that's interesting, and I I think I talked about this on the show today, like the SEC was horrendous defensively this last year. Like your biggest yeah. crop of like, like Drew, you talk about, um, you know, you talk about the the Alabama making you so much money. I mean, they basically earned every single yard they could have that was on the field against Ole Miss. Like the, the, the defenses in the SEC were terrible. And that's the one place where you get defenders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the idea of anything outside of quarterback being known, you want it, you want some examples last year, Alex Thomas to go, uh, was it Alex Thomas? That the Giants took four. Andrew, excuse me, Andrew Thompson. Andrew Thompson. He, Andrew he Thompson. played like Alex. <laughs> Andrew Tomlinson uh, yeah. for the Jets. Anyway, a very, very forgettable name. Excuse me. The uh, <laughs> Andrew Thomas uh, was twenty to one to be the first OT taken mm-hmm. on the board, and that That's was the true. fourth overall knows. pick from a GM who telegraphs every move, and it was still a complete unknown that he was going to go Thomas. Um, first kicker last year, Field was fifty to one. Yeah, let's <laughs> and leave, we'll leave it at that. Three center at ten to one. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I grouped them all, all the oh, in, okay. in one group. Okay, <laughs> you grouped them with you. Yeah, okay. There was a there was a common thread among all the guys that were considered for first kicker, but it ended up being the field, which cashed a fifty to one. Um, and similarly, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, first running back yep. taken was something in the ballpark of ten to one ish, fifteen to one ish. You know, like a week before the draft. Um, you know, so those type of long shots are are a fun way to attack this. And honestly, the idea of just throwing a dart and picking one is you know, that if you're happy, if you're having fun, that's fine. Um, but there are people out there that have negative synthetic hold on. There are people out there that have that are laughing. They're, they're laughing all the way to the bank 
that all of this air has been sucked out of the room on the third overall pick, and they're sitting here with a, a negative hold across these three guys, and they're just like, you know, you know, reading Kyle Pitts to San Francisco tweets and sweating because they're like, hmm, <laughs> like I don't, know, I win no matter what, unless. Let's say you're tight end. I don't want any more. I don't want any more of this talk. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You guys beat, beat me down enough. This was fantastic. Drew and Andy, tell us where we can find all your stuff. I'm at, at whale underscore to Capra on Twitter. Um, we do the deep dive podcast twice a week. Uh, we are football guys at heart. So most of our handicapping you'll find in the NFL space. Um, but all summer long, we got some big stuff coming up. We did a derby podcast today. Uh, we got Euro, Euro, Euro soccer to handicap this summer, which is going to be fun. The Olympics. There's going to be betting on the Olympics in Tokyo come August. So uh, oh it's going to be an amazing summer. I cannot wait to get down on all these. And Fellas? then, yeah. Deep Dive at Deep Dive Pod. You can find me over at BetSperts. I'm doing a lot of blogging now. I'm literally about to do a golf show where I play golf on my Nintendo. So I'm going to do that right now. A lot of stuff. Go, like we did a derby pod. It's been a very busy day. It was glad to, glad to talk to you guys again, though. It's been oh, a while. Yeah, I love getting together with you, too. I, we're going to talk win totals after this. I'm going to listen to your derby pod right now. Well, I go work out. So everyone, thanks for hanging out. We appreciate it. Thank you, Andy, Drew. We'll see you guys later. Peace. Best of luck. <laughs>